It's bizarre and weird here on Nerd News Now, March 1st, 2021. I've got Brainy, I've got Kyle, I've got Miss Jen. Um, I've got electricity, which is ideal. Um, haven't been here the last two weeks. Last week, mostly playing catch up from the previous week of Snowmageddon or Snowvid or Snowpocalypse or Sharknado, whatever we're calling it. Um, so, normal. Spared well. Um, I know Miss Jen is in this area. So, Miss Jen, how was the shop? Any issues, power issues, anything? Oh, you don't know this story. Oh, my gosh. Oh. No. You know, we, we spent the night at the store on Monday night. Uh-huh. Just that was the only place that had power. Then on Wednesday, we went to go open up the store because it was finally passable on the streets. And we had no power because a tree had fallen on the line. Then Thursday, we only had half power because our meter box caught on fire. And then on Saturday, we found out that the water main had broken in the alleyway. So we had no water until Tuesday. That was our week. And I, I know people that are just now discovering like pipe da- pipe damage and watery walls and they're saying it's two weeks later. So I'm wondering what else is gonna be around the corner. And uh thankfully I'm in an apartment right now and I have to deal with like insurance or any of that stuff. So everything's fixed except my AC. And of course in Texas it's like the that Friday AC busted and it gets up to like eighty one in my apartment. So it's just like okay. And I think today it dropped 40 degrees in two hours, maybe. Yeah. And I wore uh, shorts to work. Then it's going to be like in the 90s by Friday. So, oh, okay. <laughs> but, yeah, so. Um, Mark, you're getting no sympathy for me. I'm actually getting oh. actively angry right now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. We're, we're just not, we're not built to handle that. It's uh, going to be spring here in a couple weeks, and it's projected uh, to be negative temperatures. Yes. On that day. Mm-hmm. Like, no sympathy for me. Hey, it's cold outside here too. All right, <laughs> it, it is currently uh, like sixty-seven degrees out there. Here it's twenty-five. Feels like fourteen. Bringing his flight jacket. Yeah, I think we get a few blankets, guys. <laughs> What person is responsible for the feels like 14 part of that? Because uh, if you, you know, uh, I've never been in a situation where everyone is the same temperature. Like someone's always cold or someone's always hot. So like, what is the, who does it feel like? The the air temperature outside feels like 14 because there's a 15 mile an hour wind. So the wind chill factor is 14. Does, so, your little, does your little basement studio stay nice and warm, though? Uh, so there's a woman at the end of the hall who's a licensed uh, social worker who I think is always cold. Now, she does have three external windows, and, like, her, her room would be the coldest, but she likes to set the thermostat at 74. I like her. I have, I have <laughs> two giant lights right here that will heat this room without any help of the furnace. Like, so it's about 80 in this room right now. Nice. Like, I'm sweating actively. And I'm going to, when we get done, I will put on my coat, still sweaty, and go out into the 14 degree wind and get in my car and go home and have pneumonia. (laughs) No. No, I mean, it's, 
again, we're built for it. Like around here, it's, you know, 14 degrees is nice in January, early February. Uh, now in early March, it's not as great, but we can cope. So no, so no $17,000 electrical bills for having the thermostat at 74. <laughs> no. That's good. Not yet. <laughs> not nice. That's ridiculous, man. Uh, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. You, you still hear every once in a while about how someone having an outrageous cell phone bill, which I also don't understand because you would think that stuff all has to be regulated. And also, um, the days of being charged for text and whatnot uh, are long gone by. So I still don't understand. When you hear how... about it, it's microtransactions for maps, right? It's somebody's kid is oh, playing yeah. Candy Crush and needs more lives or whatever. I don't know how Candy Crush works. You but, have... you know, you have they're to playing a game that. and they buy a thing. Fortnite you have... skins. You have to wonder yeah. why those app manufacturers don't put it like a, a target. Say, hey, if this person hasn't spent any money in so many months... They all of a sudden spend five thousand dollars. We need to find out. We need to contact them. And find out why they're spending five thousand dollars. No, they don't care. They don't care. You know, it, it's, it's ridiculous. No, but they did. I read that they activated some law in Texas that hadn't had to be activated in I don't know fifty years or whatever to prevent against the price gouging. Yeah. Um, so like. The the Secretary of State or whoever it is, the Attorney General of the State of Texas is getting inundated with, hey, this guy charged me six bucks for a bottle of water. Yeah, that's not price gouging. That's just, you know, overpaying for something. You know, it's where are your five thousand dollar electrical bills or the the one hotel that was charging seventeen thousand dollars for a room for, you know, that first night. No. Wow. Where does the story about it? Where does a supply and demand stop and price gouging start? I mean, if they've only got one room and somebody's going to pay seventeen thousand dollars for it, then you know it's it's. Uh, I don't know if that's price gouging or not. So we had a situation here, and so you guys, you guys, uh, you guys never get cold. We uh, we have a problem. Hey, whoa, when it gets whoa. too warm here. <laughs> Anytime it drops below seventy two here, it's cold. All right, so it's not that we don't ever get cold. We have a problem here where uh, the algae that grows in Lake Erie uh, can become toxic because uh, F the environment for 150 years or whatever. Um, you know, only recently have we started managing what goes into the lake. Uh, but the algae gets toxic. And a few years ago, we didn't have water. The whole city had no water uh, because the chemical had gotten the chemical balance had gotten off and it had become toxic. My suburb had water. So people were charging five bucks a gallon to fill up gallon buck fill up gallon jugs from their hose like that is supply and demand going to guys going to costco and buying pallets of water and seeing on the side of the road twenty dollars a case is gouging you know that was kind of that was that was the way it was taught to us on the news is that gouging is marking up beyond a reasonable supply chain hiccup markup And I think it always it's always kind of targeted towards stuff like water and gas. Yeah. So it's like, you know, the considered essentials like electricity yeah. after all that incident. Yeah. So who needs electricity? 
Oh, <laughs> you know, we, we survived 2,000 years without it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but... If I don't have 5, 5G, I got problems. <laughs> yeah, um, I, we're, we're definitely not a society to be without, that's sure, for sure. But, yeah, no, it, it caused, like, genuine safety issues here, um, regardless of what Kyle says or whatever. But, um, it. You know, it felt probably felt like negative 32 at some point. I don't know. I still just don't understand the feels like temperature because what if I go outside and I'm eating like ice cream from Dairy Queen? Then it's going to feel even colder. It's not <laughs> how you feel. It's the air temperature. Well, it should be how I feel. The The news should be well, more. Well, Mark, the whole world isn't about you. With all this micro-targeting, like I'm being tracked on my phone all the time. Uh, it should tell me how I feel. When it says feels like, I just assume... That's what, or just feels like bad. That's what it should say. Feels <laughs> bad outside. <laughs> the re- I think the reason they do the feels like temperature though has a lot to do with kids who ride the bus to school. Yeah, I think it's a bit. That's a big reason why it's a big deal around here. It's because you can't have your kids stand at the corner to catch the school bus when it feels like it's negative ten, even though the actual temperature is ten. Like, it's, that's actually a big difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, for yeah. sure. And we, we've all been in a situation where you go outside and you're like, oh, it's cold, but I'm good. And then like an hour later, you're just suffering because the wind gets colder. <laughs> Maybe this condensation just and, and then you just regret going outside. So I think I've never thought of it that way, but that's a that's a valid concern, especially if you're going to be having kids outside and going to and from school. Um becomes a safety issue, right? I mean, I guess, like, where you're at, do, what is the cause for concern, like, four degrees, or what is, what's the threshold? Oh, I, I, you know, I don't know. I know they used to, when it, when it went to feels like zero, was when we canceled school. Okay. Um, if it was feels like above zero, we had to wait for the bus. Now, this was in the 90s before safety. So I don't know what it really is anymore, but. I just want to clarify, you're talking Celsius, right? Yeah, no. (laughs) We're on the English measurement system here. We're Ohio. The rest of the country will switch to metric and we'll still be on English. So. Um, We actually have some uh, comic news uh, we can start with. Probably not a huge surprise, but still uh, a big deal in the world of comics and our our lives uh no comic-con officially so no san diego comic-con um for 2021 probably the smartest move especially with things the way they are on the west coast uh they're gonna go virtual in july they're gonna knock it down to three days um we talked about this last year mission about the the whole virtual thing and it was kind of a little odd like i mean it's cool but at the end of the day you're just still seeing panels so i don't know if they're gonna maybe try to actually go live or i know there's always you know all these roadblocks for that with all the different movies and the company behind it and and all that but uh i don't know just had a really really dumb idea what is that oh i love those we should offer comic-con the experience yes we'll host comic-con on our platform yeah. Totally. Good. Yeah. Or if Why? nothing else, have an experience Comic Con. <laughs> well, I Comic-Con? mean, I've done. We've done two in forty-five days. Yes. So I mean, 
we keep rolling with them, we're going to do one every month or, and I'm going to wind up in an early grave. But um, <laughs> remember, traditionally, that might happen anyway. You were always able to find a con at least once a month. Yeah. Uh, they were smaller, they were more intimate. And of course, you know, that's changed now. Now it's one huge one every quarter, I guess. We still have them once. We still have that where if you really wanted to every weekend from here, you could hit a show. Um, there Now, there are some that are, okay, this is a Comic-Con, and then there are some that's, oh, this is a bunch of dudes with long boxes in a Knights of Columbus Hall. But Comic-Con nonetheless. Right. So that's what started, though, right? Exactly. I mean, that's and, started. Well, and those shows are starting to bring in celebrities. Like, I did one, and they had Mickey Lolich, former Detroit Tiger. What does he have to do with comic books? He was once featured in a comic book you could get in a box of Wheaties. All right, we're stretching, right? <laughs> so I think um, that I think that last year that San Diego was kind of disappointed in their their virtual convention. So I don't if they could figure out some way to make it more interactive. I think because the way they had it, you could really go watch it whenever you wanted to. It was kind uh, of like not getting to go to Comic Con and just watching it on YouTube whenever you felt like it. So if they made it more interactive, I think they would have more interaction. Yeah. And, you know, Com Comics Pro just did theirs, and I, I felt they did a pretty good job considering mm -hmm. you know, what we did. And it, it was, of course, we didn't see each other live, but it, it was almost as intimate as uh, the regular shows we had. Mm -hmm. So it's doing. I like what Comics Pro did. Um, the thing I would say that's a handicap there. They did a really good job of, hey, you want to go to this panel or we're going to go to this roundtable thing? Here's a Zoom room. Mm -hmm. You know, that 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 enables that interaction. The thing about it that I didn't like is if you were a vendor, that whole setup was, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Less than optimal. Um, you were counting on someone chatting with you in a chat bar or messaging you directly about the thing you were vending and then following up. Like, you, whereas you're about if, exhibit hall? Yeah. Yep. If you're a vendor, it's suboptimal. It's, it's the, I get that it's the best you can do. Uh, uh, but at the same time, it's leaves something to be desired. Uh, that, that's that's it. I mean, the one cool thing, though, is we were able to stream live to our Comics Pro booth, which I don't think we were supposed to be able to, but I did it anyway. Um, and I, I think that, that might have been the concept that a lot of the vendors didn't take, is where they could have streamed live and had conversations with people in their booths, um, but they didn't take advantage of that. Or uh, there might have been some that did set up an hour or two where they went to their booth and did it. So I think the possibility was there. I just don't know if the vendors took advantage of that. Mm -hmm. Well, what I was doing was I was just airing, like Jen was live on the experience, and I just put her feed right in our booth. Which is perfect. And then I opened uh, I opened a Zoom room, and I sat there, and I sat there, <laughs> and I sat there. Again, uh, if, if you could find a way like what we do with our virtual conventions, where it is just panel after panel after panel, yeah. that would help San Diego, but then if they could come up with an actual way to actually sell things, and I don't know what that looks like, um, because, you know, 
Hasbro, you know, they make just a butt ton of money every year at Comic-Con, and they're, you know, while Hasbro can afford to lose it, somebody like, I, I, I don't even know if he still goes, but um, Mile High, that's a huge chunk of revenue that they lose. Or, you know, anybody else who's a comic store that's a vendor at Comic-Con, well, that's a huge my, chunk of revenue that they're eating. Mile High stopped going because it got too expensive for him. Well, but you and know what I mean. A lot of like, other vendors started to do the same as well because it, it really did get to the point where it was not feasible to be able to afford anything at Comic-Con. Right. Um, you know, the yeah, hotels no, themselves I, have gotten ridiculous. That should be price gouging. <laughs> When we used to go, we used to rent a condo and then drive down every day. Like, we'd rent a condo a half hour, 40 minutes away because it was reasonably priced and then drive down. Yeah, for us, you know, last time I went, it, I, it was no longer an experience anymore the last time we went. Uh, you know, we spent thousands of dollars on hotels, on the food, and uh, at a certain point, you got to realize we had young kids back then, too. It was better for us to go stand in line at Disneyland than it is at San Diego Comic-Con. Because everything that was being presented, we wouldn't see it on YouTube or hear it on Twitter and on any of social media a couple of hours later. So, you know, mm-hmm. it got to the point where, yeah, let's just go to Disneyland instead. It'll be more fun. Yeah, We'll still be standing last, in lines. At least we get 30 seconds of a ride. The last year I went was the like the big year for the off-site stuff. Like, that was the last year Zachary Levi had Nerd HQ across the street at Petco. Mm-hmm. You know, and there was a thing up at the Children's Museum. And, uh, you know, there was a bunch of stuff to do not at the actual Comic-Con that was way better than anything I could have done at Comic-Con. Like, other than networking with other comic book people, which I can do four other times, five other times a year at other events, I'm going to go hang out over here at Petco Park like and get to meet Alan Tudyk or, you know, go to the thing at the children's museum and get to see all this original art and raise money for somebody like made more sense to me. And it was cheaper. Which is why I personally like cons like uh, comics pro and whatnot, because they are more intimate. You get to chat with people amongst your, you know, peers and everything. So. Mm -hmm. So then, at some point, all the on-site stuff got priced out at San Diego. Like you mentioned Nerd HQ, which was my best experience there going there two years. Um, that got priced out where they couldn't afford to do that. Right. Uh, just because of the, the real estate around and people just trying to make money off of it rather than providing fan experiences. So it's just, and, and on the inside, forget about it. Miserable, just shoulder to shoulder, can't move can't do anything without being in someone's way it's like i know all good things like at some point get to that point so that's why it's best to jump on the mid-level where it's like it's worth you going there's stuff there there's a few people to meet but it never gets like just sweaty and overcrowded so well and like the last year i went what it cost me to go to san diego i could afford to go to emerald city c2e2 and new york yeah for the same amount of money you also have to wonder whether it should still be called a Comic-Con, you know. I understand they try to do movies related to comic books, but that's every single movie coming out nowadays. And it's become more of an entertainment show than it is a comic book convention. Mm-hmm. What's your thought on it, Mr. Yeah, I... Oh, I'm, I'm a San Diego Comic-Con girl for life. I, I 
kind of like I wasn't there from the beginning, but I I can remember when it was really easy at the end of the convention to just wander by the booth that was out in that front hallway and just buy your tickets for the next year and think to yourself, man, sixty five dollars that's expensive. <laughs> yeah. What I would give to go back and just have the convenience of just knowing I had the tickets for the next year. Like right. now it's become a little bit stressful, even though now that since I'm in the industry, I've, I've had to like talk myself out of being stressed out about it because I know that I can get tickets. But my body tells me, but what if you can't get tickets? Right. It's a, I, I love the feeling of being there. I love the city. I love eating all the food there. I love meeting up with friends. I love, you know, skybound breakfast. And uh, to me, there's nothing like it. I don't mind the crush of people because that's part of the experience of doing it. I, I'm no longer, I don't, I don't try to go to Hall H anymore. And I don't try to wait in line for any of the big pa panels. What I found out is um, Mike and I, when we go now, we know that all the, all the panels that, are, that everyone else wants to go watch, we could just can't dedicate that amount of time to go wait in line uh because I'm, I'm always in meetings but what we found out is if we just pick a random room we don't even know anymore what what the room is about but if there's empty seats we'll go sit in there and we love every single one we go to we just learn something completely new absolutely yeah that's how i am at gen con um which gen con is the san diego comic-con of gaming mm -hmm. like it is getting to the point where it's ridiculous um you know and it canceled last year after coming off of the biggest year it ever had you know like a quarter of a million people you know i mean well and that's like across all of indianapolis like they had to rent out the football stadium to have room to have everything like by the way standing on the 50 yard line of lucas oil stadium like where the colts play and or they had turned the field into a museum to gaming. And you've mm -hmm. got Gary Gygax's first edition notes for Dungeons and Dragons with his red pen edits over here. And the power of nine for Magic the Gathering over here. And like, you know, early Pokemon and early, you know, other stuff over here, early like Warhammer. It's okay. That's a pretty cool experience, right? Mm -hmm. But to have to go into a luxury box to run a D&D &D game is weird. <laughs> um, it's not set up for that um but it's i got last year you know i didn't go to c2e2 first c2e2 i've ever missed san diego was canceled i wasn't planning to go to san diego new york and emerald city wound up not being things so like i missed on i missed the shows i go to i missed gen con i don't think I'll miss San Diego like ever as much as I want to go back and would love to go back for the reasons Jen listed the going out with my friends and the, the skybound breakfast and that kind of stuff. I don't know that I'll miss it because I can get that same experience at comics pro. I get that same experience at retail or something. I can get that same experience other places. What I do miss is being able to walk into a room and uh, sit down with a group of people and blow their minds playing Dungeons and Dragons. See a brainy, but blow their mind playing Dungeons and Dragons. Like, you know, to pull out some stuff that I stole from Critical Role or whatever, you know, and 
do it that way. That's what I miss more is interact is interacting as a pro with the fans. Yeah. You kept saying Miss Gen Con, and I got really confused going, is, are you talking about Cadets Con? I don't think I've ever seen you there. No. But maybe. I don't know. Um, also- no. <laughs> Mark, it's so funny whenever um, I'm watching other people's live selling shows, if they're uh, selling like Gen 13. Yeah. You're like- every time that they call that book, I think they're talking to me. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> but did you get sure. to, at, at Gen Con, did you get to play Warhammer with Peyton Manning? No, uh, I did get to play D and D with Matthew Lillard. Oh, that's awesome! Wow. Yeah. Um, well, I played. I played at at Gen Con. I played D and D with Matthew Lillard. Um, I can't think of her name. She was the youngest daughter on Growing Pains. Um, she played Chrissy on Growing Pains. Uh, I can't think of her name. Um, doesn't matter. She was a really good player. Um, <laughs> the Last, of you know, us, right? huh? She, she's, she's on The Last of Us. I think she's a voice, a voice actress for video games now. Anyway, yeah, I, I, yeah she did some I stuff. Really, paint does matter. Anyway, with Felicia Day, you know, Felicia Day's production company. Um, you know, I've gotten to play D and D with those guys. Uh, you know, I played Magic the Gathering with, you know, uh, the number one player in the world one time and got absolutely trounced. It was so much fun. Um, Drunken Hero Clicks with the president of WizKids. Uh, that was pretty fun. Um, my favorite, this is my favorite Gen Con story. I had a party come to play the game I was running, and uh, this guy comes in and sits down and goes, uh, I'm not here to play. But the party that's or the team that the group that's coming is running late, and I go, "Then what are you here for?" They go, "He he explains that uh, they paid for him to come to the convention, paid for his hotel room and all that kind of stuff. But his job was to be the guy who stood in line at Starbucks, or ah. to get to their room early and manage their tickets." And I go, "Wait, wait, wait! So you're Patsy from Spam a Lot?" And he goes, "Yeah, kind of." <laughs> I go, that's awesome. And like, so I'm, I, he, he didn't have a ticket for the game. I'm like, I don't care. You're going to play like, and they're like, but he doesn't have a ticket. I go, did I just say, I don't care. I will pay for his game. Like he's going to play. And so I gave him the most OP character in the game and let him TPK everybody else. Um, you know, let him kill the whole rest of the party. But then later that day, I'm standing in line at Starbucks and I'm talking to this guy and the person in front of him turns around and goes, are you guys talking about a game you're developing? We go, no, we're talking about this guy's life. And he hands me his card, and it's Steve Jackson. And he's going, come by the booth. I want to talk to you about developing this as a game. <laughs> so it's, you are the, you know, you're the squire at a gaming convention. You know, that's the, the role you play in the game. And they worked on it for a while. I don't know what ever happened to it, but I know they worked on it for a while. But that was the night we got to play uh joking hazard with steve jackson which is the cyanide and happiness card game and that was a fun night but it's just gaming conventions are weird right because it isn't like there are celebrities but there are celebrities mm-hmm. yeah. you know matthew lillard doesn't get mauled on the show floor because he is not a super exclusive card or figure or you know release of a game but matthew lillard's a cele- that dude that that dude is Scooby-Doo. 
like will always be Scooby-Doo for me. Um, you know, they just, it's, it's just a weird thing. Right. But Steve Jackson, you can't get close to because he's a mega celebrity. Such a strange world, the gaming world. And I love it. I think the the biggest celebrity I can think of that's not a gaming celebrity, but a celebrity that games is uh, Joe Mangiello. Well, his game is ridiculous. His D&D game is ridiculous, the people who play in that. It's him and uh, the big show from WWE. Well, now from AEW. Paul White, uh, right? Paul White. Yeah. Um, I knew a wrestler. Tom Morello. Uh, the guys who did... Game of Thrones, the guys who wrote Game of Thrones play in his game. Um, Neil Patrick Harris and uh, his husband play in that game. Like, his game is nuts. Like, Kevin yeah. Smith goes to his house to play d and uh, And I, I know there are others that I'm forgetting that are like, whoa, I can't believe that guy plays D&D. But then the other game that's really fun, and you can listen to it on Nerd Poker, like it's a podcast you can listen to is Brian Posehn who wrote Deadpool. Oh, uh, is also an actor and stand-up comedian. His game is him and Patton Oswalt and a bunch of other stand-ups. And Jerry Duggan, who is a big-time writer at Marvel now, used to be the game master. He used to write the campaigns and run them for all these uh, celebrities. And at one point, the thing on there was. Vin Diesel plays D&D. Their whole thing was get them noticed enough that Vin Diesel would come and play one night. So I don't know if that ever happened, but that's another great game I've heard about. Miss Jen, have you ever gone to a gaming convention? I don't think so. I have spent a lot of time in gaming rooms at conventions. Like we used to go... Like the Pokemon League that's local used to be the biggest one in Texas. And uh, we used to always get regionals because of that. So I would go and sit up at uh, at regionals. What was so funny is that I felt like regionals every year for a long time was the Saturday and Sunday right after Extra Life or right during Extra Life. No, 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 it wasn't. It was for, there was a, an all-night um, uh uh, walkathon for breast cancer that I would do. So I would do that on Friday night and stay up all night long doing walking, walking for however many hours, and then go straight to regionals and be like, try not to fall asleep during the games. That was hard, but that was like every single year I was trying not to fall asleep on the table. If you've never been to a gaming convention, there's nothing quite like the smell of the Magic the Gathering room on the third day. That's very specific. It is because the hardcore players don't get hotel rooms. They play as often and as much as they can. Mm -hmm. So you get you lose out of a tournament, you get eliminated from a tournament, you just go buy into the next tournament. Right? And you just keep playing and keep playing and keep playing. But the kitchen there stays open the whole time. So it always has this smell of like soft pretzel cheese body odor and desperation um <laughs> like because it's they're they're you know they're, this is some of especially at gen con some of the only ways to win some of these cards is to win these tournaments to get yeah. some of these cards that people want and 
that people are super committed. So people sleep on the concrete floor. They sleep on a chair they can find when they've got 15 minutes or they don't sleep at all for days. You know, and it's like you're unhealthy. But they love it. And it, it does. It takes on a unique smell. Kyle, have you ever met the Looney Labs husband and wife team? It's just like the smallest company ever, I think. Not I know Looney Labs, but not that I can recall. Yeah, they they can't they were set up at at uh, San Diego one year where you could just wander into the gaming room and you could sit down and they teach you how to play all their games. That was a pretty surreal moment. They're so sweet. Yeah, no, uh, that's what a lot of a lot of tables at Gen Con. Like when I first met the Skybound guys, mm-hmm. they had a little tiny booth at Gen Con, and they were pitching Super Fight. And it was before the Superfight expansion that came out in Loot Crate came out, like before it really had happened. Mm-hmm. And you could walk right up to their table and they you could play, you know, they teach you how to play Superfight. And they handed you these cards that are like, you can only get them from their table at conventions. And at the bottom it says, the person who plays this card wins automatically because they're cooler than everyone else because they visited Skybound at a convention. <laughs> Perfect. Like, you know, and it's the only way you could get them, but you had to know and you had to actually go over and give these guys with this big black and white banner and this black and white card game, mm-hmm. you know, your attention when you could just go, oh, hey, there's Pokemon with bright colors and plushies and stuff. Yep. Or you could go <laughs> you to know? the booth and you could get, do you remember when they used to give away the Munchkin? It was like a a card with a bubble on it that had like an invisible character on it. It was like... Yep. Only use it once. If you opened up the card, then that you, it was, I don't know. Somehow it, it made you win the game. But yeah, no, I yeah, I remember those days when the line for the Munchkin booth was insane. Um, the other, the other fun one though is is like now when I go to the Skybound booth, these those guys know me because yeah. I've been going to their booth for ten years. So I've got every expansion to every Skybound game ever made. And all of their con exclusive cards and, you know, last time they were, they were there, they were given away. If you spent $25, you got a Oblivion song number one, which was kind of cool. Yeah. But they went digging through the box and they found a pink signature variant for oh, me. Oh, snap. And this, this is when those were like 50 bucks. Mm-hmm. And they're like, Kyle, you come to, a, you're, you see us at Origins, you see us at Gen Con, you see us at C2E2, you see us at, you know, every gaming convention we go to. I go, yeah, they go, here, just take it. Don't say nothing. All right. You got a bag and a board? No. Kind <laughs> <laughs> of travel but, with this thing, Kyle, you know that. I do. I just had to walk all the way back to my car. <laughs> you don't think you're going to need a bag and a board at a gaming convention. But no, that was that that was fun. I, I miss gaming conventions. I really do. Mm-hmm. Um, Mark, do you go to gaming conventions at all? Do you do any of that? I, not, no, I mean, I, I get overwhelmed by all that stuff. I, I never know what's going on. And I don't think I've ever really been. I, I played Dungeons and Dragons once in my life. And it's like I didn't know the rules because I was told there was no rules. So they're like, oh, just do whatever you want. So I just did some like absurdist one move thing that would have won the game and they're like you can't do that and it's like but you you literally just said do whatever you want so like i mean i understand like being a good sport in the context but if 
if you if someone tells you do whatever you want, you do whatever you want. Like you know, it's like, hey, go grab a drink. You can have whatever. You you get the last Dr Pepper, and they get mad. It's like, well, you told me to get whatever, whatever I want. want. Like, yeah. Right. So it's like, I don't. I didn't understand like that weird, you know, secret nuance. Now this was like way before the resurgence in popularity uh, due to you know Stranger Things and the immersion to pop culture or whatever. But it's like, yeah, I don't know. I just and then with card games, I've been a card collector my entire life. And just the idea of like taking cards and doing that, I was just makes me lose my mind, lose my mind. So I, the I don't guys know, like, play high yeah. end. Uh, the guys who play the high end like Magic the Gathering games, uh-huh. everything's proxied. They have all the cards. They're all in like super thick plastic cases, uh-huh. and they they can show you the real card, but everything is proxied. So they don't have to risk their good cards, right? You know, it's just a sleeve with a piece of paper in it that says, you know, whatever, Black Lotus. And you're like, okay, now we have to prove that you have actually own this card. And they have to pull out their Black Lotus and be like, see, here it is. And then be like, okay, you can put that away. We don't want you playing with a $14,000 card. Uh-uh. Yeah. You know. Uh, speaking of $14,000 cards real quick, this might be like a, a loaded question, but it can be a simple answer too. What's more popular right now, playing Pokemon or collecting Pokemon? Like the the cards, because this is the market's exploding right now. Just yeah. completely it, it goes beyond just the cards now. People because there's uh, the you can't get new packs. That's impossible. People started collecting all the old cards, and now that's become impossible. I think today we have these like packs of four Pokemon comics. Like Pikachu shocks back one through four from yeah. 2000. I think we sold like 30 sets of those today online. Just people are going to Pokemon crazy. Yeah. Crazy. yeah. It's matter. the brand that's popular. I don't think it's any part of the brand in particular. It's the brand. And you know what I think it is? And this is, I may be assuming a little bit, but it's people who were into Pokemon when that first wave hit the U.S., so I was second grade-ish when it really kind of took off here. Now, it took off other places before that, but here I can remember being in second grade and our teacher taking our Pokemon cards. Um, but we're getting to that age where if we have kids, they're getting to that age where we can introduce them to it. Because mm-hmm. Pokemon is family-friendly. I mean, even though it is a little bit weird having animals fight each other, um, it's still family friendly. So it's, hey, this thing I loved when I was a kid, it's time for me to teach my kid. Yeah. And I think what that's doing is it's creating a huge influx of interest. And for years, you couldn't play the old cards. They were so weak compared to the new cards. They were unplayable. So they had no value. Then that value starts coming back with Pokemon Go. Right. All of a sudden, people wanted Gen 1 Pokemon because Pokemon Go. And as Pokemon Go has progressed, you've seen that movement into later sets. But then you just saw this boom. And I think, like I said, I think it's because I keep telling people, it's that it's my generation finally has money. That's true. And, it, and it's not only that, but one thing that I think has also catapulted that is the co-emergence of 
people wanting physical assets they can hold. So you, you're seeing like just a complete explosion in the basketball training card market where people are walking around with like PSA 9 Tops Chrome LeBrons and treating it as like a $20,000 stock, right? And like you go, they, they go, even during COVID, they're flying, you have the, these YouTube influencer types, they fly to different card shows and they're like, hey, I'm going to turn this 40000 to 60000 in the next three hours, watch it live. And then they do it. They just go flip, 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 boom. I mean, it's almost like, and then, of course, you have super influencers like Jake Paul with X million amount of viewers. And he's like, well, I just bought my fifth uh, first edition Pokemon box. I got an awesome deal on it. It was only $425. And, I, and at first I was like, $425 is really expensive for a booster box. And then I realized it was $425,000. <laughs> and so, you know, people like him have like, you know, pack buy-ins because now you have YouTube combining. Everything's driving the fervor, right? And then we were locked inside with the pandemic. It was scary. So we jumped back into our comfort food of collecting. Mm-hmm. And so you have comfort food of collecting. You have the uh, volatility of the stock market. So you want something you can hold in your hand. And then um, past that, if you share, like, a passion with with your family, like sports or Pokemon or comics, I... And and to further complicate or make it easier, the whole grading thing, right? Grading's been around for a long time. This is the biggest it's ever been. PSA, if you do like the generic, you know, value bundles, send in like a card to get ready for twelve bucks. It's a twelve month turnaround time. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy right now. So all this stuff is just accumulated on top of one another. Um, and I don't know if you see. Guys... I think that's something else too. Is it's like yeah. we were locked inside the house. So if I had a if I had a three year old or a four year old, and we gotta find something to do that isn't watching Bubble Guppies, or whatever you know, even though Bubble Guppies is awesome, uh, we gotta find something to do. I could teach them Pokemon, but I'm not gonna know what all the new stuff is. I gotta have the stuff from when I was a little kid that I can remember how it works, you know. And then I could teach them Pokemon. That's a thing we can do, you know. My nephew is my my oldest nephew is five. I'm teaching him Dungeons and Dragons through Zoom. Like, and his mom's like, that's, I don't remember it being that way. I'm like, well, I'm teaching him the new rules because I still play and his mom hasn't played since second edition. And she's going, oh, it's changed a lot. I go, yeah, but if she had to teach him, she'd have to teach him second edition. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're seeing some of that too. That nostalgia factor is coupled with the, we got to find something to do and, you know, I'm not about to teach this kid English. I might as well teach him a useful skill like Magic the Gathering. So, And then that whole, like, everything, you know, just kept going and going, and people were trying to figure out the next thing. And I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but it hit, you know, comics two weeks ago uh, in the form of the 1990 Impel Marvel Universe Series 1 set. Where I'm sure two weeks ago you could buy that set for twenty bucks, and now a raw Stan Lee is going for one sixty-five on average on eBay, in like the last three days. And they're saying it's rookie cards. Those things to me that huh? they were better for lighting. I used to tell people who wanted to sell those things to me that they were better for lighting fires than for collecting. <laughs> uh, I, I like that set. I li- I have good memories of that set. I like it so. Right, but if I, I'm not going to buy it from you. If you want to give it to me, I'll take it. Right. Back then, they weren't worth anything. So it's not like I could invest capital in them. So, 
you know, it's it's wild how much that has changed as well. I mean, yeah. in the, the Gem Mint 10 Deadpool card from the back of X-Force 1. Oh, my gosh. Because that, that had to be like a dollar comic for, for the longest time, right? Well, yeah. the, I think the Deadpool version, if you had the Deadpool card, after Deadpool the movie came out, it jumped to like five bucks for that book. Okay, but but then, then it jumped to like 50 last week, so... <laughs> about three years ago, it jumped to like 15 for that book, no matter what the card was, because the speculators got a hold of it. And then it cooled back out, and now it's ridiculous, and people are dumb. I can't yeah. wait to, to shoot the show where I go into my, my far back stock and do an Indiana Jones-style, uh, you know, hut for the Ark, because I do have a long box of those just sitting back there somewhere wow yeah fun i mean I, like that, that's one of the fun things about collectibles is just um you know in the back of your mind you're like you know surely there's something i have in my collection that's valuable i don't know about and then you know something surfaces like that but it's you know it's 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 fun and you know uh, to kyle to your point we all know the the adage like something's only worth what someone will pay for it right and one man's trash is another man's treasure. So if you don't, you yeah. don't have, you know, yeah. So I'm not saying that we all shouldn't make as much money as we can off of this, <laughs> but I will be the first in line to laugh in someone's face when they're angry a year from now that their X Force number one isn't worth anything. Yeah. I know I have a long box of them somewhere. I like Jen. I know I have every comic store has one. Mm-hmm. Is it worth it for me to go dig it out right now? No. Like, even the amount of money I could make off that right at this second, thinking about have where it's at and where I'd have to go to get it. Yeah. Eh. Uh-uh. You know what's funny now is, like, um, for the longest time in the industry, it became kind of this uh, game where people would try to find someone, would please take my long boxes of back issues for $10 a long. Please, please, please. And you could get them all day long. And now um, everyone's long box hungry, especially for stuff that's like seen as like potential, you know, holy grail digs like 90s boxes right now. So like I'm playing the game currently where I know someone who usually buys boxes for $10 and he he wants my stuff and I'm not selling it to him for $10, but I'm trying to get him to give me long boxes of modern. <laughs> it's like we're, we're playing this shell game of like who's Who's going to get what from who? And uh, people are, people are, there's people calling stores and just being like, I'll take everything you have in back stock at X dollars along. I don't care what it is. It's just, it's a weird world, man. Yeah. I mean, I've got, I've got a storage locker full of long boxes. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting on a grail. Yeah. Meh. I know what's going to happen. Eventually, the market's going to cool. You know, but I'm not willing to let it go because I've got Comic-Cons I've paid for that I need to be able to set up at. Yeah. You know, but it's it's really tempting not to call Jen, not to call my friend Chris, not to call some of these people and be like, look. I'll show up with a truck. <laughs> I'd rather have the money than the books. But at the same time, I think, you know, at some point I'd rather have the books. Like, it's this whole weird thing, right? Mm-hmm. Would I rather yeah. have the books or the money? 
I got to figure it out. But it, yeah, it's people selling volume are making out like bandits right now. And I'm still like trying to do three book deals with guys on mm-hmm. books from the 1940s. Yeah. Like it's still all I care about. Like I want to buy your silver and your gold. Mm-hmm. And everybody else is like, I will take your 90s nothing. Yeah. Well, and that that's the conundrum of a collector is we collect. So we're comfortable keeping stuff and accumulating stuff. Some people aren't comfortable doing that. And now they're seeing an opportunity of they don't care what's in that box. They're going to sell it for three bucks a pop on eBay and just put in that hustle. And you could do that, but you could do mm-hmm. if, 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 like I don't have the energy to do to take a box and do. 200 separate ebay transactions right now like i just physically i'm not set up for it i don't have the space i don't feel like doing it (laughs) so like but but i also don't want to relinquish what i know could be worth hundreds in each box for you know tens of dollars and so i'm just i'm kind of like that's where i kind of have the eh attitude also it's not the eh on the comics or the money it's just that at some point i'm gonna have the energy to do this you know, or I'm just going to keep them forever and I'm fine either way. <laughs> so, right. I'll yeah. give you an example of a crazy thing that happens, like just within, you know, within a couple months, things like this can happen. So we had a collection that came in, one of our regular customers brought. We'd already gone through it and pulled the things that we thought were worthwhile and put prices on them. And they already had already gone through some shows that we've gone to. And then uh, I've been going through uh, and doing some crazy 80s and 90s shows just like and i advertise them as things you don't want and people <laughs> buy it off they're like you're not the boss of me i want all this so i went through the last like three or four boxes that didn't make the live show and there was a <laughs> section of uh, star wars in there about this big in which everything star wars now is insane oh yeah and there just happened to be right in the middle of that a run of one through six of Star Wars. I cannot remember the subtitle of it, but it's the one that has like the first Darth Ravon and a new Darth that no one cared about until yesterday. And it's a $500 set of books. It went from cover price to $500. Nuts. And you had a uh, speaking of trading cards, you had the a huge wrestling find, right? Was that was that a few months mm-hmm. back? Yeah, oh my was, God, that set was insane. That yeah, set was mine bring has been bringing me stuff over the years, and he this is you know just when I think there's nothing left that he wants to bring me, he'll be like, I don't know, I got this stuff, this junk. You don't want to you know do whatever you want with it. Hopefully it sells. And I looked at the cards and thought to myself that they were just like, okay, well maybe these are twenty dollars sets. But uh, luckily, I looked it up before I did anything dumb, like offered it, you know, for $20. And I think that pair of sets ended up selling for like 3 k Just, I had no idea. No idea that 1982 and 1983 wrestling cards were worth so much money. Yeah. And, and now it's funny because like in the last week, it's like people are just finding every shred of anything they can to say it's someone's rookie card like here's a rock rookie card from 1998 700 bucks just i mean in any sport anything you know mm-hmm. i guess that with the impel stuff like here's wolverine's rookie card even though wolverine had like 19 cards before that and all this but 
and yeah. is a fictional person, right? <laughs> but but it's... also, was Wolverine ever a rookie? I mean, he's a comic book character. He was not a professional athlete. <laughs> right. You can be a rookie. Well, I mean, Wolverine's rookie card for years has been Incredible Hulk 181. Well, yep. sure. Yeah. Like, like that's what he gets. That's his first appearance. <laughs> yeah. What else are you gonna do? I mean. I think that's I think that's the other thing that's ha- that's that's weird that I don't fully understand and I think it's me being that hey you kids get off my lawn kind of collector <laughs> where it's just because you say something is a first appearance or a rookie card doesn't mean it actually is. Oh sure. Just no, like just because the PSA 10 doesn't mean it is. Right. Well, it's so the Deadpool card, right? It's Deadpool's rookie card. No, no. Ninety-seven comic images. Right. Well, it's you got to look at you know his first appearance, which would be his rookie appearance, uh-huh. is New Mutants ninety-eight, which has held that value for a long time. Right. It's the card itself is just a different interpretation of something you've already seen. So not not to call it oh because it's a card it's worth something and not a comic book. It, it makes no sense, and what it's going to wind up doing is it's going to wind up bursting the bubble on the market. Sure. And it's going to be a problem because there are going to be a lot of people who are heavily invested and who have big aspirations in this that are going to get hurt. And in my mind, it just doesn't make any sense at all to look at this as anything more than a passing fad and a bubble that will eventually burst. This is Beanie Babies right now. And I hate to say that because my whole livelihood is based on making money off of this thing. Like, (laughs) and it scares the crap out of me because I have no idea what's going to happen when it does eventually end, if it eventually ends. So I'm investing in things that I think will hold their value. That's where I'm at. I'm buying silver. I'm buying gold. I'm buying original art. You know, because that stuff, even if it goes down, is still going to hold its value a little bit better because it's still the more, it's the rarest of the rare. You know, Jen, how much gold, how many Golden Age comics walk through your door a year that you can buy? Uh, Hardly any, and almost none of them are superhero. They're almost all... The other stuff that no one really is collecting. and Western and... Mm-hmm. Right. You know, Silver Age is a little more common. You know, I mean, good Silver Age is, you know, hard to come by. You know, but Silver Age is more common. Mm-hmm. But then, how many pages of original art walk through the door? None. Almost none. Right. So when when it all comes to an end, it's that's the stuff that'll be left because it'll still be rare. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I hope yeah. it doesn't end anytime soon, though. I hope all my friends and I and everybody has an opportunity to make a crap ton of money. Uh, <laughs> you know, off of this. or it becomes like um, the, it doesn't go back down. That the the market kind of normalizes where it is now. That you know. I don't I don't see there's some stuff that's just gone crazy and there's no reason for it to be high. But uh 
like like super modern stuff i don't i don't agree with any of that super the big uptick on those but uh i mean 90s is old for a lot of people it's doesn't seem old to us at all but uh right no i mean like i said 90s is vintage now Mm -hmm. and i'm not saying that that stuff isn't course correcting for years of being worth nothing I'm talking about the really sort of looking for esoteric and niche and small stuff from the nineties, you know, Charizard cards being worth what they want, you know, being worth ridiculous money or, you know, again, the Deadpool card or whatever, just stuff that makes no sense. You know, what's funny. I just thought of something. There's been one card, a Charizard card, that's been on eBay for $1,200 for years. Because that's the one people would always come to me and say, I've got a Charizard card. It's worth $1,200. And I'd be like, no, man, I sell those for 30 bucks. I don't, I don't think so. I bet you right now that that dude sold finally his Charizard for $1,200. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's how many realist fees did he pay over the years? Did he make any money? Probably no. So. But it's interesting that we talked about it. One of the stories I sent everybody was about this new show that's coming from uh, the BBC. Did you see this, Mark? Did you get a chance to look at that? I sent it. I, uh, I did, and I can tell you that Black Mirror is one of the most terrifying shows I've seen. So I don't need to right? see this free version of Black Mirror. Right, uh, so it's a show called Years and Years. It's produced by the BBC. It's supposed to be scarier than Black Mirror. Mm. Nope. Um, do you want me to read you the thing? Because I think it's actually oh, yeah. fascinating. Oh, go yeah, go, yeah I re- go ahead, yeah. Uh, so Years and Years chronicles the mental, emotional, and physical decline of a single British family over the course of 15 years, equally deteriorating in, a, in an equally deteriorating futuristic society. So this family, it starts with... Uh, it starts with it's it's a wild premise that only gets crazier when the show starts out within a realistic context of a controversial businesswoman running for political office and technology slowly integrating itself into people's day-to-day lives and then one cataclysm after another like a nuclear detonation a stock market collapse an epidemic uh and too soon. But they don't end in a shocking, like, one-off thing. It doesn't just end. It just becomes the new normal. Mm-hmm. Oh. Right. I'm going, this is terrifying because this is my life. Yeah, this is way too soon. I can't do it. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. Like, all right, I'm with you. I'm I'm totally with you. But uh, no, can we not look at what I'm actually going through right now as a documentary? Like, yeah, I'm not okay. What I think is so interesting is that all of the sitcoms that I watch basically play at the that they that the pandemic existed, but they're just at a at a time that's that's right afterward. So they still refer to it, but it's not going on. And I'm just like, God, this is so weird. TV so far. You, you watch Mr. Mayor with Ted Danson. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they handle it phenomenally. Like phenomenal. Like it's amazing. Have you guys watched the new Punky Brewster? No, oh, whoa, whoa, is that out? That's out. Are you serious? Is that out? Yes, already? it's on Peacock. Right. He's gone. <laughs> <laughs> it's everything. Okay, look, look, because I I wanted to watch Saved by the Bell 
you know, and and I got Peacock through Comcast and I watched Save by the Bell. I did not understand I was going to love Save by the Bell. Like I think the, there is no better way they could have done that show. And I've been I've been waiting and waiting for Punky Brewster. I never looked up a date uh, foolishly, but uh, if it they do anything like that, it's going to be awesome. So here's what's wild, right? So Punky Brewster ended before I was born. But I watched that show every day coming up. Like, it was on reruns on, like, Nickelodeon. And I wanted to be Punky Brewster. Like, I like one of my first crushes, it was between between the Pink Power Ranger and Punky Brewster for my first crush. Like, hard to pick. So, like... um, I went. I'm starting back in nineteen the 1984. I watched all the new stuff, but they have the whole series on there. So I'm rewatching all the original episodes now, and the, I watched all the new ones, and it's great. The kids in it are great because it's she's grown up and she's got her own family. Oh, and her best friend is still Cherry, played by the same woman. Oh, perfect. And her ex husband is Freddie Prince Jr. Who, by the way, do you know why he took the job? There's a story out there about why he took the job. is because Sarah Michelle Gellar told him if she can't be Punky Brewster, he had to at least pretend to be married to her. <laughs> awesome. Like, because he was retired <laughs> from acting. He wasn't doing it anymore. He was doing voice acting, but he wasn't acting on screen. He was a stay-at-home dad, you know, doing some gaming stuff, writing, writing primarily. And it's like, this is it, right? Like, he's doing it, and it's amazing. Uh, the show is just everything. In your rewatch from the 80s, have you gotten to the refrigerator episode yet? The CPR episode? No. Oh, my gosh. I'm That's taking the, my time that, on that it. Very special episode ever. I'm taking my time on it because uh, there are points where I can't stand Henry. Oh, yeah. Like, where it's just too sad. It's too sweet. It's He's like, oh, you're worth every penny I spend. Oh, come on. Grocerou, to steal a I phrase remember, from the show. I remember, but, three, I remember three things about that show. There was a weird spider episode for, like, a two-part Halloween special. There was the don't, don't hide in refrigerators because you could die. And there was an episode where Henry was in the kitchen talking to someone about... It costs eighteen thousand dollars to send a kid to college. I can't afford that. And Punky Brewster ran away because he felt bad. It's like, wow, yeah. that's that. There's inflation. I just watched the one, the first Andy Gibb appearance, mm-hmm. where they're in the talent show. Um, and then I, the other night I watched the one where they go to the Cubs playoff game. And by the way, in that episode, the woman who played the old nun in the Sister Act. Uh-huh. Is playing the old nun in that show. How old was this woman when they made the sister act? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, and how often did she play nuns? Like, there are so many questions that come from this show. <laughs> but it's um, it's awesome. I can't speak highly enough of it. Uh, everybody should watch Punky Brewster on the Peacock. Oh, and by the way, if you sign up for Peacock now, when WWE Network folds in a few weeks, you get WWE Network. Huh? For five, for five bucks or for free? Uh, it's part of the paid paid subscription. Oh, okay. 
And I, I went ahead and bit the bullet and bought got the $9 no commercial subscription. Uh-huh. Because I got tired of having to hit play every time. Yeah. But, you know, it's I, I I haven't watched Saved by the Bell yet. Saved by the Bell doesn't hold the same place in my zeitgeist. Understood. You know, it's it it totally does because I watched Saved by the Bell, but like when I saw Punky Brewster, I'm like, oh, never mind. You know, I can watch all these other things. Like I I was watching the new Keenan show. I was watching Young Rock. Nope, on hold. I'm watching Punky. It's great. Great. Another example of nostalgia coming back full force with with some of the stuff they're doing. I'm, they were supposed to remake Coach a few years back, you know, and, and that didn't happen. And then the whole Roseanne debacle, which is still on, but as the Connors, the Connors um, is way better. That I'll be honest than the Roseanne reboot. Yeah, it really is. It really is. Mm-hmm. But I, it'll just be interesting to see what else is next. Um, well, we've gone over an hour just talking about like Charizards and Punky Brewsters, so. You guys have anything? You guys have anything you want to sign off with? Um, tomorrow's a, I mean, sorry, tomorrow, <laughs> Wednesday is a really big comic book release day, including uh, Berserker. Mm-hmm. For my now, didn't I, I thought they got pushed back to next week? Oh, maybe it did. I don't. Now think so I see it out. online listed as coming out, I but I say, thought they pushed it back to the tenth. And then the foils were the 17th. I have an ungodly amount of books headed my way, so it would be really confusing to me have that many books coming in boxes and have it not be part of it. So we'll see. I'll find out. And then uh, Enioch, our first bad idea book. We'll see how bad that idea is. Excited for that one. And then like the next High Republic. It's a big book release if, if it's all truly coming out this week. Yeah, I got. Uh, I'm trying to think of what I have to talk about. Um, I got nothing. Yeah, no. I my notes were all. Hey guys, guess what? Uh, so Mark, when I when you're not here and like, I do like the research. Everything is a joke. Uh. Like I don't take anything <laughs> seriously. So, like, my story was apparently uh, Zack Snyder never stopped speaking because he said some more stuff that's not of any relevance to anyone this week. Um, Like, that was, you know, that was one of my stories. And then uh, the other one was that, oh, by the way, Tom and Jerry, second biggest box box office opening since the pandemic started. All right. People laughing when I said Tom and Jerry was going to be a hit. Yeah. No, the only I, thing that's bigger is Wonder Woman 1984. I, I am uh, I meant to actually watch that this weekend. I haven't got around to it, but that's one of those movies where it's perfect for me because I will instantly watch it streaming, but I probably wouldn't have gone to a theater to see it. So I, I think mm-hmm. that uh, that one, I just like the the look of it, like the, the combined right. animation live action. I just like the way they did it. They didn't try to do any weird, like, CG Tom and Jerry or anamorphic, you know, real animals or you know, I, yeah. And then uh, I is had, this uh, the first family release though since the pandemic started? Really? What <sighs> other big fam trolls? But that went straight to VOD. 
I'm trying to think of any other big family movies came out. Mulan, Mulan. But was that really a family movie? That thing, that thing had some violence. Yeah, and but it that went Disney. straight to streaming, didn't it? Oh, Kaya and the Last Dragon, Disney Plus. Kaya and the Last Dragon comes out the next week. That's going to be big. Yeah. Um. No, I'm trying to think. I don't know. I. I yeah. Tro- uh, the Croods. The Croods. Croods oh, yeah, too. It's the second cruise, yep, definitely. And I think it actually yeah. had the third highest pandemic box office for what that's worth. But well, it was in the. Hold on, I have the numbers. Like six months. Uh, but, but, by but. the way, twenty-one lines of my invoice is all berserker, so it must be in those boxes. Oh my gosh! Okay. Wow. Uh, yeah. So it did. Uh, it so Tom and Jerry did fourteen point one one million. Yeah, that's a lot for right now. Um, bah, 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 bah. Wonder Woman did 16.1. Uh, and then the Crudes. Oh, I thought I had the Crudes numbers here. I don't have the Crudes numbers here. But the Crudes were behind that by... A bit. Uh, but... Yeah. But the thing about the Crudes is it came out thanksgiving so it was a five-day weekend yes so its numbers don't even compare apples to apples no um and the the only timely new other timely news i had was uh a bit of casting on the obi-wan uh obi-wan disney plus series they cast uh uh i'm gonna butcher her name but basically the actress that played eliara Elaria Sand on Game of Thrones, uh, Cassandra Varma, but um, nowhere on what she's going to play. Of course, the big news from that show was announced a while back when Hayden Christensen's going to reprise his role of Darth Vader, mm-hmm. uh, whatever that's worth. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that once it finally comes out. And then we're just going to hold off on WandaVision because the finale is Friday. So I'm sure we'll have lots mm-hmm. to say about that next week. I was disappointed in the latest episode. Coming off of the coming off of the episode before it where I was so high, I thought this episode was cool. I thought it was awesome, but I thought it could have been so much cooler and so much more awesomer. I know you probably wanted to see like a, an entire episode done in the throwback style with Agatha all along, right? Cuz that's kind of what I wanted to see. <laughs> kind of a little bit. But no, it's like, okay, I get what you're doing. I get where you're going. It felt like a really good f- stepping stool. To yeah. wherever they're going, which I'm good with. Like I said, I thought it was great. I just thought it could have been so much better than it was. Yeah, I'm hoping so, they really. I'm hoping something big happens in the finale. I'm, it's got to be right. Big. Something. I'm hoping good. that it's like you know the way I felt about the original Avengers: Infinity War, where I was like, that could have been so much cooler than it was. But it's they've only done half the work. Right, because you had to watch Endgame to get the full story. It's like turning in half the math homework. You know, you got to to be able to get all the in, you know, get all the points. You got to do both both parts. So I'm hoping that the, the last episode is like a second part of this past week's episode. You know, like they literally butt up like this, and then, but the mid credit scene though. Oh yeah. A little uh, uh, nod to John John Byrne run on Avengers, mm-hmm. for sure. So, right. I thought uh, the mid credit scene was the high point of the episode. 
I mean, I, I liked all of it. I liked all of it. I, I love the show. So I do understand what you were saying a couple of weeks back about wanting it to be like quirky sitcom. And I, I was just thinking, like, I would have loved to see a 30-minute Agatha All Along episode. <laughs> that would have been awesome. She's just fantastic in that show. Just fantastic. But uh, right, I was I was disappointed they didn't pay off the mid credit scene from the episode before. Uh, yeah, I've got some theories on that, but we'll yeah, see. Yeah, I mean, give us a taste. Like, it doesn't have to be much. Just give us a little something. Yeah. What are you gonna do? We'll see though. But uh, well, since we're over time, I guess that's all the time that we have on Nerd News. Oh, but uh, thanks for watching. Thanks, Kyle and Miss Jen and Brainy earlier on. He had to take off, but we always appreciate him as uh, usual. And thank you for watching Nerd News Now, part of the Kingdom of Geekdom on Woodlands Online, sponsored by Space Cadets Collection, Collection and the Venture Begins. Uh, check out our other shows on Woodlands Online, like Taste Buzz, Music Cafe, The Venture Begins Show, the best you weekly fallout sports talk and more you can watch all these on woodlands online and on kbqt hd 21 over the air on your tv if you're in the houston area all these shows and more on roku just search and add woodlands online tv to your streaming lineup and you can listen to the podcast version of this on spotify itunes stitcher or wherever you get your podcast from we'll see you next time on nerd news now